Welcome to Public Health Out Loud, Public Health for the Public High. I'm Dr. Jim McDonald, Medical Director of the Rhode Island Department of Health. And I'm Dr. Phil Chan. Welcome, everyone. Dr. Chan, I always enjoy our time together to hang out today. Today is really fun. We have Dr. Sabina Holland with us today, pediatric infectious disease physician. Um, and we're going to be talking about COVID-19 vaccine and children, which I have to admit, I'm very excited as a pediatrician, as a dad, and as a public health physician about COVID-19 vaccine for kids age 5 to 11. I'm excited about it for a ton of reasons, not the least of which is I have a very good shot now, pun intended, of getting kids healthy for Christmas so more kids will enjoy the Christmas holiday. It's one of the main reasons, I guess. I just like kids not being sick in general. I like kids living as well. And I also like keeping kids out of the hospital. So there's a lot of reasons why I'm excited about this vaccine. How about you? I'm super excited. I have a 10-year-old myself, so uh, he's getting vaccinated this week. Very exciting. Oh, that's great. That's good news. Well, Dr. Holland, welcome to Public Health Out Loud. Great to have you. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. So, Dr. Holland, we usually start with just, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your research interests? Love to hear who Dr. Holland is and what she's studying. Sure. So, I am um, a pediatrician that specializes in HIV, um, specializes in infectious disease. Sorry. In particular, my area of interest is in taking care of children, adolescents, and young adults who are living with HIV and and babies who are exposed to HIV. Uh, I also have a particular affinity for um, healthcare disparities. And so I do a lot of work in the realm of um, diversity, equity, and inclusion for the Department of Pediatrics here at Brown. Great, thank you, Dr. Holland. And we've known each other for years here. And I just want to let the audience know that Dr. Holland is one of my go-to people for everything infectious diseases and kids. So. Uh, really a great uh, a great asset to our state here and one of our, our statewide experts uh, in everything infectious diseases and children. Dr. Holland, let me ask you this. Let's start off with the COVID question here. Uh, you know, one of the things we hear about uh, in general is that COVID, uh, COVID-19 doesn't affect kids as much. They can't get really sick. It's one of those things that we hear about why kids should not be vaccinated or don't need to wear masks. Tell us about COVID-19 and, and how it affects children. So COVID-19 definitely uh, impacts children. It, it's, you know, children are, are getting infected more and more, um, you know, over time, they've become a larger percentage uh, of those that are infected. They are most certainly being hospitalized. Over the past month, I was on service twice, and each time we had three or four children that were um, severely impacted, meaning they needed to uh, help with their breathing uh, because of COVID-19. Um, more than 600 children have died from COVID-19. So uh, to, to say that the virus itself isn't impacting them, um, it, it is frustrating for me, uh, especially when I, I hear that from other healthcare providers. I think another impact that is really going under-recognized is the, the impact on mental health. We are seeing a mental health crisis. Uh, certainly we're seeing it uh, here in Rhode Island. Um, and it's being seen nationally. So just to give you some sense, compared to 2019, there's been almost a 30% increase in the number of evaluations for mental health reasons. Um, currently at my hospital, there is a backlog of patients that are waiting to go to an inpatient mental health um, facility for treatment. Um, and the thought is that it's, it's a lot of it is related to uh, the pandemic. Yeah, there's no doubt, Dr. Hoff, the pandemic's causing us a ton of stress, um, children included. Um, and, you know, we won't, we won't want to get back to normalcy. And one of the things about COVID-19 is 
treatment though. When we talk about treatment for diseases, which is something I love to do, I love to treat diseases, love to make kids feel better. Nothing really makes me happier as a pediatrician to do that. I'm just quite frankly, not aware of treatments for kids under 12 for COVID, but you're a pediatrics infectious disease expert. Are you familiar with treatments for kids under 12 for COVID-19? We are very limited. And, you know, if we have a child that's admitted to the hospital and has moderate to severe disease, we can offer them steroids. We can offer them the antiviral drug remdesivir. Other than that, that's, that's about all that we can offer in addition to supportive care. Uh, thankfully, we are part of a network that is um, that has a, a clinical trial evaluating monoclonal antibodies, but inclusion criteria are limited and you have to meet certain, so, so the children have to meet certain criteria to be eligible for enrollment, including being able to get here in a certain time. We have interestingly had patients coming from West Virginia from all over driving here to, to get this what we call, you know, post-exposure prophylaxis, uh, and that's as an outpatient. But once children get sick with COVID, we have extremely limited options in those under 12. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Holland. I want to also shift back to something you mentioned in the very beginning about your interest in equity and inclusion. You know, we've talked a lot on this podcast about how the COVID-19 pandemic has really highlighted existing disparities in our communities, including here in Rhode Island and across the U.S. Is this something you've seen uh, in pediatrics as well? Tell us about your work and uh, any thoughts on on how this intersects with the the pandemic. Sure. So we have seen uh, remarkable disparities in, in health outcomes in pediatrics. We've also seen uh, disparities in, in children who have experienced the loss. If, if, uh, if a child self-identifies as being um, Hispanic or Black, they're more likely than their white counterpart to have lost a family member due to COVID-19. And the impact of that, as you can imagine, for a child is substantial. Uh, they're, all, they're more likely to be hospitalized. They're more likely to be infected. And we all know that if those things happen, they're missing out on school, they're missing out on, on extracurricular activities. Um, so it's, it's more than just them having a cold. Yeah, you know, Dr. Holland, I think it's, that's well put. It is way more than them having a cold. And I think like when you underscore that tragedy in particular of how children might lose a parent um, and the inequity that we've seen throughout the pandemic, uh, you know, it's just, it's impossible to understate that. I mean, I think it's one of those things where, the pandemic's been a magnifying glass for so many parts of our lives. But one of the things I've really seen that it's magnified is just the inequity of care. You know, when you look at the entire pandemic in our state of Rhode Island, the Latinx populations had more cases throughout the entire pandemic, followed by those who identify as Black or African-American. And it, it's really problematic. And it really speaks to those underlying issues, our social determinants of health. And the vaccine, by the way, can't fix everything, but let's talk a little bit about the vaccine. Now, when we talk about vaccine to five to 11-year-olds, we're really only talking about the Pfizer vaccine. Can you tell us a little bit about this vaccine, like specifically, how does this vaccine work and why do you think it's going to make a difference? So the Pfizer vaccine is is what we call an mRNA vaccine. Um, So it takes a, a little bit of messenger RNA and it essentially teaches ourselves how to make a protein that creates an immune response. And so it gives our kids the protection without having to risk the consequences of having COVID-19. So essentially to be more specific, your body, once it sees this this messenger RNA or these instructions, 
um, your body begins to make the spike protein, and that's the, the, the protein that you see on the surface of the, the COVID-19 virus. Um, this protein is completely and utterly harmless to our kids, to ourselves. Um, but what it does do is it allows our immune system to recognize the virus and begin to, you know, our bodies begin to have this immune response to protect us. Um, one thing that I tell my patients all the time is that it's important to know that these vaccines, the Pfizer vaccine in particular, it doesn't give you COVID-19. It doesn't alter your DNA. I think more, you know, really important, um, a really important concept that parents ask me all the time is, you know, is this going to impact um, Johnny's ability to have kids? No, it's not. Um, in fact, I was vaccinated and then got pregnant. It's just me, but it, did, it does not impact fertility. And I know that lots of uh, my trainees right now are also expecting children after they've been vaccinated. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Holland. And you know, I'm uh, this is personal for me as well as professional. Uh, but personally, I have a 10 year old, right? And I have a 14 year old daughter, a 10 year old son. Uh, my 14 year old daughter was vaccinated, and my 10 year old son is getting it this week. And I think, you know, a lot of parents are nervous, right? I mean, I'm nervous about everything with my kids uh, and their health. And I think that's normal and reasonable. How do you, what do you tell, you kind of touched on this, but what do you, what do you tell parents who have, uh, you, you know, you talked about the fertility, but how do you, what do you tell parents to expect with the shot? And how do you, how do you counsel? What do you tell your patients? So, you know, the first thing that I tell them is, is, you know, safety is our top priority. So, you know, the, the big thing that I think that I want them to know is that the vaccine is safe. I am actually, uh, I have two kids myself. I have an almost five-year-old who, by the way, I've told is getting the vaccine for his birthday. Um, and I have an eight-year-old. And so <clears throat> for me, I, it's more risky for them to get COVID-19 infection than it is to get vaccine. And the reason I say that is, is you know, following the vaccine, they can have you know, a fever, they can have a stiff arm, they can have some muscle pain. But after COVID-19 infection, even if they have no symptoms at the time of infection, they're at risk of something called MISD or multi-system multi -system inflammatory syndrome in children, which can be fatal. They're also at risk, at a greater risk of, of developing myocarditis uh, than they are with vaccine, with vaccine, and they're at risk for death. Um, and the vaccine prevents all of those things. You know, Dr. Holland, I have to just appreciate that, you know, giving your five-year-old the COVID vaccine for your birthday may sound a little bit odd to folks, but it's, it, it makes sense to me because really when I think about honoring my kid's birthday, and part of what I'm trying to show them is that I love them and I remember them. And, and this is something you do. You know, one of the things I've done for my children is got them all their vaccines. And sometimes as a parent, you know, I do things here. It might hurt for a moment, but it protects you uh, for a long period of time. And that's really where I think that actually does make sense. And I, I think we should just, Let's get specific a little bit about the Pfizer vaccine for kids. The dose is a little different than for adults. Can you walk us through maybe what the dose is and why the dose is different for the five to 11 year old vaccine as opposed to the vaccine for 12 and older? Sure. So the, the dose in children that are age five to 11 is much smaller than that of adults. It's about a third of the, the adult dose. Um, and that really reflects the differences in, in body function and physiology for that particular age group. Uh, one question that I've been getting pretty consistently is, is what do I do if I have an 11 year old that's going to turn five, going to turn 12 
excuse me, in the time period um, between the two doses? And the answer is, is, is relatively simple. Um, you give them the dose that's appropriate for their age, largely because that's the way that the vaccine was studied. And we know it's safe when it's administered that way. Wonderful. And that's been our uh, exact same guidance here at the Department of Health. Uh, but at the end of the day, we do want to, of course, leave it up to pediatricians, uh, primary care providers to make that decision uh, in an informed discussion, of course, with their uh, patients and or parents. Uh, Dr. Holland, let me ask you about another sort of uh, timely topic. We've been getting a lot of questions here about masking in kids. And so there's been a lot of discussion out there about whether or not masking uh, is harmful to kids and whether or not they, they need to mask. What are your thoughts on masking in kids? Have you, have you seen any ill effects or what do you recommend when people ask you those questions? So my recommendation is that, you know, if kids are going to be indoors and they're, especially if they're unvaccinated and you have a substantial level of transmission, then they definitely need to be masked. One of the things that we have learned as pediatricians during this pandemic is one that the masking doesn't impact their health in, in an adverse way. In fact, we've seen a decrease in the number of respiratory infections other than COVID-19. And so that's definitely a benefit. Um, we know that masking allows children to go back to school safely. It's one component, um, but probably one of the most important components along with hand hygiene. Um, it's really, it's, it's fascinating. Um, my son, I mentioned, is, is four. He's going to be five soon. But he, he reminds me when he has a mask and when he doesn't have a mask and when he needs to use it. Um, so it's become part of his routine. Uh, and, and he has just as much fun on the playground with his mask on as he does when it's not on. It's funny you say that, Dr. Holland. I've kind of noticed that with my own kids is they just brought it into the routine. They, in other words, it just became normal. And I think one of the things I saw with my kids is because mom and dad were wearing a mask and I role modeled this, it just became normal to my kids. And, and I think it really does. I think it just underscores how kids often just follow what we as adults teach. You know, one of the things I often say to parents when I'm doing checkups is, especially when kids are toddlers, I said, you know, we don't have lifelong memories before the age of four. Like most of us can't remember things before the age of four, but it's really important we feel loved and safe during those years. But one of the things we teach our kids during that time is like, how do we share things? How do we be kind? We role model things, but more of it's caught than taught, as it were. One of the things I'm also very cognizant of is like, we also teach our kids how to deal with anger and frustration. And if you're wondering how your kids learn these things, a lot of it comes from how they see us interact as parents. And, and you know, it's just interesting. There's so much that we role model. And one of the things like I've role modeled to my kids, by the way, is getting flu vaccine. And, you know, interesting enough, Rhode Island was number one in the United States last year in getting kids flu vaccine you know, under 18. And we were 78% of kids got a flu vaccine, which I think is great. I'm a little worried about this year's flu season already, though. Going to be honest with you, I've already seen a lot more flu cases than I expected. What are your What are your thoughts about this year's flu vaccine? I mean, you talked earlier how the masking had really helped cut down our respiratory viruses, but are you worried about the flu season in front of us? What are your thoughts there as an infectious disease expert? Oh, I'm definitely worried about this year's uh, flu season. I think first and foremost, you know, I've noticed uh, just in, in being out and about that people are are less likely to be masking, especially indoor. Um, I, we've noticed an increase in uh, seasonal, seasonal not COVID-19 coronaviruses and other respiratory infections. And so I do worry that this year's flu 
season is going to be much more severe. Uh, I also worry because the symptoms of flu and COVID-19 overlap quite a bit, that there's going to be a significant loss of, um, of time in school for children. And again, the mental health impacts of that, uh, that loss of activity and socialization can be uh, magnified. So my children have both been vaccinated. Um, they've, they've, uh, they are developing their antibodies or the ninjas that fight off uh, the flu virus right now. Um, and I recommend it. And we've actually started providing that vaccine here in our clinic. Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Holland. And one other question too that we get is, can you give the flu vaccine and the COVID vaccine at the same time? How do you counsel your patients about that? Most certainly. Um, and I actually, I recommend it. If you're at a location that offers both, certainly get it. Um, you know, I tell my patients, you know, get one in each arm, um, but you can get them at the same time and whatever is easiest. You know, for us, we use the school-based clinic uh, to, for our entire family. It was a family affair to get our influenza vaccine. Um, and, you know, of course, we have to wait a little bit longer to, to get the COVID-19 vaccine for our kids. Um, but definitely, definitely, you can get them at the same time. You know, Dr. Holland, as we're drawing closer to the end of our podcast, you know, one of the things that people are curious about is when do we think we're going to have COVID vaccine for kids under five? And then how important do you think it is vaccinating kids to actually bring this pandemic to a close? What are your thoughts on those two issues? So the first question, I, I, I almost chuckle internally every time anyone asks me about my expectations for when the vaccine is coming because I've been wrong a few times, um, especially with five to 11 year olds. Um, so, you know, the earliest I would say is 2022, it's most likely gonna be a Pfizer product uh, or the Pfizer vaccine because they're the farthest along in their clinical trials. Um, I think the one thing to let everyone know is that the reason why there has been a delay is we wanna make sure that the vaccine is as safe um, and effective as it has been in older age groups. And so that's why it's taking a little bit longer for us to, um, for us to be able to, for, for the FDA to be able to authorize it for use in those younger age groups. Um, for your second question, I think that it, you know, kids and infants six to two and two to five, you know, getting them vaccinated is again, it's gonna be, um, it's gonna be a key towards ending the pandemic. Um, you know, as we know, the younger a child is, the the, the less, the, the, the least, the, they pay the least amount of attention to things that are important to us in terms of infection control, like washing their hands or wiping their nose on their arms or their sleeves. And so, you know, I think having them vaccinated is, is just going to be one more piece of, uh, of armor, if you will, in, in protecting the entire community against COVID-19. Well, I want to thank Dr. Holland. Uh, pediatric infectious disease physician for joining us today in public health out loud wonderful conversation about the vaccine for children age 5 to 11 to prevent covid been great to have you here uh, dr chan one of our traditions here at public health out loud is to go to you for our final word what's the final word for today great thank you dr mcdonald and thank you dr holland for joining us much appreciated uh, for your words of wisdom there in closing, I do want to leave folks with a moment of zen to consider throughout the rest of your day. And here it is, a quote from American poet Emily Dickinson. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. Thank you all and be well.
I want to thank Stephanie Menders, our executive producer, Carol Sonar, technical director. I'm Dr. Jim McDonald. Have a good and keep up the great.